Hey everybody, and yes, I'm back. Thanks again for joining me today for another episode of the NHS 100K podcast. So I just want to apologise, first of all, because I've not done an episode for probably, I think, about two weeks. Um, the guests, unfortunately, they uh, they <laughs> flaky uh, sometimes, so it puts you in a bit of a uh, predicament when you can't get someone in. So, But today, I've got two guests to make up for it. Uh, I've got Teresa, who has been a midwife for 17 years, and I've got Edward, who is from the National Employees Union, and um, they're both going to be talking to us today. Teresa's going to talk to us about uh, some horrendous discrimination she's been experiencing while she's been in the NHS at the beginning of all this nonsense, and then Edward's going to come in and give us some information that we can use to make sure this doesn't happen again in your workplace. So, kicking it over to you guys. How are you doing, both of you? Thank you for joining me today. You all right? Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having us on. It's all right. Oh, don't be nervous, trees. All right. Okay. Don't be nervous. All right. Everybody's everybody's got to be really excited about what you've got to say. Now, in my experience, I've had doctors on, I've had celebs on, not blowing my own trumpet, but people seem to like to hear the actual boots on the ground stories from real people, in my experience. So yeah. this is going to be a good episode. And I'm glad I've got you here as well, Edward, because if we start chatting rubbish, you can come in and, and go, well, actually, no. Um, this is what the law says. So the idea of today will be obviously to listen to Teresa's story and then Edward will hopefully be able to give us some information that we can take away back with us. So if we do experience any further nonsense going forward, you've got the ammunition and then obviously, hopefully, you'll approach Edward to give you some representation if you need it. Yeah. yeah. So thank you both again for joining me today. I'm going to kick it over to Teresa. So tell us how horrible it's been for you and when it all started, please. Okay, well, so... Obviously, it's been absolutely awful, absolutely stressful, very emotional. Um, at no point in my, in my career have I felt so upset and not looking forward to going to work. Um, obviously, it started with the vaccine mandate, um, you know, and the actual um, forcing, of, forcing of staff to have the vaccine. Um, I've... I just, I just lost all hope, really. Um, in November, I went to quite a lot of the protests in London, obviously met 100k there as well, um, and I was quite excited by that because I thought actually I wasn't on my, I was not on my own. I actually thought I was on my own. I felt very isolated by it. A lot of the other people that I was speaking to didn't seem to understand anything, and they were there pushing the vaccine, you know, onto the women, onto the pregnant women, still are doing. Um, at no point um, did anybody really seem to resonate with what was going off. Um, there was a few, but they were, they're in the minority, and, and obviously they don't want to speak out either. So um, I was off poorly, actually, for a little while. I went back in March after the mandate was all lifted. I went back in March, and I was okay for a little while, but then I was realising that, actually, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep quiet any longer. Um, I just felt that I needed to say something and speak out, even if nobody else was doing it. And if it was going to take my job, then so be it. Um, so basically, I wrote to my uh, line manager, explained about the mask situation and that I can't wear it any longer. It's causing me so much harm and difficulty, breathing, concentration, everything. Headaches when you come home, fatigue. Um, I do suffer. I have got um, a condition, fibromyalgia, and it actually felt that it exasperated all my symptoms for that as well. But... I carried on because I knew, like eighteen months ago, I just knew that um, if I did speak out, something was something would happen. So I I kept my head down like everybody else, not wearing it properly like everybody else has been doing, wearing it round the chin, 
and you know under the nose that kind of thing and I just thought I can't I just can't do it anymore a lot of staff said just keep your head down and just wear it selectively and I said I, I can't do it so basically wrote in and that's where my journey started then really um I was um taken into an informal meeting at the beginning because I'd put a grievance in uh, the union I contacted the NEU National Employees Union and um asked basically for some help and they said best thing you can do is to put a grievance in so that's what I did so I went in basically saying that you know I'm really struggling with the masks there's no evidence to say that they work that kind of thing and uh, basically I was sent home from work and I haven't worked since so that was ju that was in uh, July the 26th I was sent home and 2020 uh, sorry yeah, yeah. 2022 or 2021 right. yeah this year um and basically i had meeting after meeting after meeting and i'm getting to the point now where i'm about to lose my job so they've tried to redeploy me but uh i, I don't like that term either because it's a military term i just keep telling them i'm not military personnel yeah. and uh, i'm not playing their game so i'm not going to be redeployed i'm fighting for my job and uh and that's where i am at the moment so, and with the, you know, with the help of the union, especially Edward, because Edward, Edward has been brilliant for this and he's kept a lot because I've, I've actually support, um, done a little bit of support group because the people that are in the National Employees Union, uh, we were finding that everybody was so upset. We do quite a lot of um, Zoom calls each week on a Thursday. We all come together and we talk about things. And from that, we sort of. I made I made a group, so we've got quite a lot of nurses in there. We've got learning disability nurses in there, speech therapists, uh, receptionists from GP surgeries, anybody that doesn't or can't wear a mask, basically, and that uh, are willing to stand up. So basically, that's where. Uh, so obviously, I've got some people that have sent some statements into you as well. Yes, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, yeah, um, because and. I have asked other people if they would come on this with me, but they're all frightened, so frightened to speak up. And I just feel like I can't, I can't keep quiet anymore. I've done it for the last two years, nearly three. So, and I've had enough. And I've fed up of the tyranny that the hospitals are pushing onto their staff. Like we are, we don't, like we're not human beings. We're just robots walking around with a silent, you know, a psychological thing across your face to silence you. You don't say anything. And I'm, I'm angry now. Good. I've gone through the grief cycle, and now I think I've gone into anger. But Good. yeah, so it's making yeah. me fight more now. And it, it's actually made me stronger, Matt. In it sense. does. It yeah. does. And I could thank you from the bottom of my heart that you come forward to say something because I, like I said before, I've been in your position before, and I remember my first interview. Uh, and I think my first interview was on um, something like talk radio or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. thrust into it's into it. So I, so I do appreciate it and I do understand how difficult it is. But it's important that we have these conversations. It's important that you come on and, and talk about it because, it like you said yeah. yourself, we were all scared when, when we yeah. first did it. I was bricking it. I remember saying to my wife at the time, am I doing the right thing? Especially when yeah. I started getting the um, feedback from my initial Twitter video. Um, yeah. And I started to panic. I was like, what am I going to do? What if I lose my job? But, 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 you know, so it's it's perfectly, but but then you get through that panic stage and think, well, hang on a yeah. minute. I can still survive. I've got a job. I've got transferable skills. Very, you know, very yeah. much so. So, and then you start to realize that they don't have, and I always joke, that, that, you know, in, um, 
in Labyrinth when she finally realizes he has no power over me. And then it all falls down and everything else, right? The Goblin King. It's kind of that. Yeah. When you realize yeah. they don't have any power over you in that regard, they could just say stuff. They can't actually make you do anything. Yeah. They're my employer. They're not my handler. They're not, exactly. I'm not owned by them. And exactly. you know what? My heart tells me what to do. And, and this is what it's telling me to do. So that's what I've done. So at the beginning then, so to just backtrack a little bit. So at the beginning, you did start wearing the mask, obviously, because, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I'll be hand on heart, didn't know myself at the beginning when it first started, but soon started to realise something wasn't quite right. And, and uh, prior to having to wear the mask, it, it obviously, because people don't realise that you don't normally have to wear no. those kind of masks in clinical setting, no. especially if you're doing what you Not guys do when you, you, you know. Yeah. Yes. So so you didn't realise there was any issues wearing your mask until you're obviously made to have to wear it on a more regular basis, which is most people's situation. Yeah. And, and as you probably wear, Matt, that initially we didn't even have gloves. We didn't have enough gloves. We didn't have enough aprons and we didn't have we were enough. Reusing people we were either. fighting, not fighting, but we were mm. going in, having to go into the hospital because I'm a community midwife, having to go in to collect them because we didn't have enough to hand around. And obviously, and then, yeah, and that's basically where... I felt like something doesn't seem quite right. And I know okay, it was a new thing, but... Yeah. But we all know, though, that, that, that those those masks are worn for specific things, and we know that. Yeah. Uh, yes. And then for them to just repurpose those things, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay, so so when you, obviously, what was the point for you that you, you sort of realised, I can't do this? So did you just kind of think, right, I'm, I don't want to wear this mask anymore. I'm going to have to let my line manager know. Um... And, and then could you just go into a bit more detail about how the conversation went? Because I know exactly yeah. what it we like, because I've got experience of NHS management. I just want people to try and get an, an idea of how toxic it is working in the NHS, despite it being a caring yeah. Yeah. thing. Well, um, initially before that, and obviously the, the, the government had already lifted it and made it a sort of a recommendation. It was no more a mandate, was it? it was no more law to wear it. It wasn't a must, was it? Hmm. So I'd written in at that point to say, is because it's been lifted now are we are we going to be going down that route as well and i was told no we're not we're still wearing them so and this was my line manager she said that basically you know the decision's been made we're still going to be wearing them so i obviously carried on for a little bit longer but then when it came to sort of june june well what happened was in my trust they uplifted it as well for two weeks they lifted the mask the mask um recommendations they lifted mm. them uh, right. and everybody was so elated to go even just to go back to work during that on that day it was it was amazing it was like you've been set free mm. um, and then went back in everybody was fine um and then the next thing was it's back on again you're going to be wearing it as from today and that's where and that's when it hit me it was like a, a big hit it was like a big bolt and I was like I, I just can't do it anymore and I knew that it was making me poorly and well, then, from, sorry, carry on. Oh no! So, so from that, I wrote again to my manager, as you know, explaining a little bit more in depth. She said she couldn't do anything; she couldn't exempt me. Uh, she could send me to occupational health, but they wouldn't exempt me either. So, I couldn't see the point of going to occupational health. Um, and then, basically, I'd got I'd got some annual leave, and then when I went back, um, that's when it all kicked off. Really. Okay. She wanted me to go back to work that day after my informal meeting. She wanted me to go back to wearing a mask, and I said, I, I can't do it and I won't do it. So that's when I was sent home. 
so they've sent so so this is it's interesting this because so they'd rather send so obviously we took we spoke about this before so they sent you home on normal pay yeah. and everything else which you know and so they would rather have you sat at home doing nothing yeah on normal pay and full pay yeah. uh than have you going into work not wearing a mask yeah it's as if they didn't want me there they didn't want me to be there whether i'm there there as a threat i don't know but they they soon sent me home um and didn't even give me any work to do they it was as if there was no jobs suddenly in midwifery no admin work or anything nothing all disappeared yet, well, yeah they were all all fine and so they could have they could have given you another role then, essentially, like you say, because a lot of a lot of what you guys writing up notes or allocating this and that's there is something they could have. Yeah, there's lots of different things you could could that could be done, even just in the interim period while he's trying to sort things out. Because obviously, my manager's going by, you know, everything gets escalated, doesn't it? So my yes. manager's, you know, taking orders from somebody else, and that's basically what's happening. They're all just taking order from the next person, mm. but actually, the actual order is coming through for the CEO. And I wanted him. I wanted him accountable for it. And I asked that they made sure that he was aware of this plight, because mm -hmm. it's not just me. There is other people. Yeah. They they don't want me to know that, but mm. there is. And, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're strength in numbers, you see, not an individuality. Yeah. That's the problem, yeah. you see. So if they know that, you know, and they can't have you parading around without a mask on, because obviously if they know that you no can, then others will, 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 you know, will want the same. God forbid we should yeah. uh, adhere to the Equality Act and Disability Act that we've got in place to you know avoid this sort of stuff but okay so when they sent you home that was in july so now yes. we're what five months have you been yeah. sent home no nothing on the horizon as to when you potentially be allowed back to work no no they've they've basically took the decision without sanctions as well that um i've had to re be redeployed like i said, they but now said there's no, there's, right hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. And we won't even get on. Okay, fine. Right. So, so they also, going back as well, Matt, to something else that they actually, instead of me, because I was sent home, I wasn't, they didn't actually say I've been suspended. They just said, you've got mm. to go home. So when I went home, obviously, then the union got involved, but they've taken me down the well being route because they didn't know what to do with me. So they basically sort of put me on the sick, although I'm not sick. Mm. I'm quite well and able to go to work. Even occupational health has said that I'm able to go to work, but they're, yeah. So, so you're an enigma, yeah. As they say. Okay, so I'll kick to you in a second, Edward. All right, because we're just getting to the juicy bits. But I just wanted people to kind of get a bit of a context of of what those of us in the NHS have been experiencing as well. Uh, as yeah. I briefly said off air, apologies for repeating myself, but I think it's important for people to realise that there there were those of us in the NHS in all departments and care sector that were opposed yeah. to what was going on. And we tried our yeah. best to, to go against it. And this is what they do. They send you home oh. or they stack you or they just put you in a room with no windows. So yeah. you can't interact with anybody and talk to anybody. That's right. Yeah. Um, so people need to be aware of that. When people say you're all complicit in what was good. No, we weren't. All right. We weren't. And you weren't there. So you don't know. But there are lots of people like Teresa that are starting to now come forward. I've got statements that I need to start reading out from other people that of uh, experienced horrendous discriminations as well. Some when they were pregnant as well. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And I'm hoping this will start, you know, snowballing forward. So uh, real quickly then, and we'll kick over to Edward as well. So um, five months down the line, obviously you've been sent home in sick, in quotes. Um, yeah. What's kind of happened in those five months? Have they been in touch with you? Have you had any correspondence with them? Or, you know, what have they said anything about trying to get you back to work? How's, how's it been going in those five months? I, I, I have no words for the meetings. 
and I'm sure Edward will back me up on this, when we go into the meetings, they have no compassion. There's no empathy. It's just, I'm a I'm just a person, because I'm doing it via Zoom as well, the meetings, because obviously if I can't wear a mask, I'm not going to go into the hospital to do a meeting either. So I do the Zoom from home uh, and Edward comes onto the Zoom. But, mm. but basically uh, they are without doubt an awful person to work for. That's all I can say. And to say that it's a caring profession, it does not care for its staff no. at all. And I think not that's across the board as well, isn't it? In, in every, and I've known it before. Yeah, I've known it before from other things that have happened, but more now the last two years, it's me. It's really woke me up to the fact that there's more to it than meets the eye as well. I think. Yeah, it's funny that when you start to realise there's certain types of characteristics that, that are in NHS management, you start yeah. to see it then, then you go, oh, you have to be a certain special type of douchebag to do this job. I see. Uh, you actually don't want the best interests of your staff. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, right, okay then. I even yeah. have the manager yeah. say to me that, you know, it's not that I don't agree, disagree with what you're saying, but I have to do what I'm told to do. That's And that was my manager mm, that told me like that. a true Nazi. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I told him that. I said to yeah. him, "Have you read a history book?" They yeah, just yeah. following orders, Your Honour. Yeah, and that's what my manager said to me. It's nothing personal, dude. It's so personal because you're sitting here telling me what's going on. Yeah. It can't get any more personal than this. But yeah. okay, so so you've had the meetings. Obviously, it seems to be you come to some sort of no agreement. Obviously, we'll go into more details uh, whenever jumps in in a minute. So, where are we at at the moment? Obviously, you said you wanted to start going down the the um, you were pushing it further down the road. So, we've had the meetings. Obviously, there's nothing come out of them constructive. So, where are we going now with this? Well, so basically, because I'm well, this doesn't really make sense, really, because if I'm on a if I'm on a sickness policy, then how can I go on to a redeployment policy? <laughs> don't understand that Do yeah. you understand what I mean? how can yeah. i be sick but then equally they can go and put me into a different role the roles that they keep sending me are band six roles because i'm a band six midwife so i've been there for 17 years so right. I'm, I'm top of my band so they're sending me jobs that i'm not actually qualified for in fact the other day they sent me a job for a chaplain just to be seen to be sending me jobs out each week so yeah they're right. not midwifery jobs Right. So, so the, the point is I'll end up being dismissed because there's no jobs for me to do. And I'm I'm not willing to lose my job. They can they'll have to dismiss me first. Yeah, that was you see that That's was how so, I feel. Yeah. No, yeah. And that, what they've done is they've they've well we've offered you it's three different types of jobs that we could give you to do. It doesn't matter whether you're qualified, but we've tried uh from their perspective to give you alternative employment and you've refused no, i've not yeah, refused that's... i'm just not qualified to be a chaplain my friend you know what i mean but yeah okay all right so we'll, we'll obviously we'll come back to you jump in if you want i want to get uh, okay. edward on the scene my man because he's going to be able to hopefully give us some information so we can give the stiff middle finger to these guys when they try and pull anything over us again so welcome to the show edward you're all right you, thank you yes it's good to be here good so as we as we spoke off there real briefly, just tell me about the the creation of the uh, the National Employees Union, please. National Employees Union was set up. We actually went live the end of September two thousand and twenty one, and that was in direct response to the the plight of the care workers at the time, who were facing the vaccination mandate. So we had a simple strategy. 
and that was to put the legal argument on the table for the care workers um, with their care home managers um, to try and persuade the managers to put pressure on the CQC because there was a strong legal argument that to in, impose effectively vaccination on the care workers was but by by legislation was ultra ultra virus is the term which means beyond the powers of parliament um, and that same argument was this the the argument that was run um, for a judicial review to try and get the the vaccine mandate overturned that was unsuccessful november the 11th 2021 rolled in and care workers were dismissed um, as as you know there was a similar um mandate proposed for nhs staff um but that ultimately uh, that that was revoked as as was the, the the mandate for the care workers so currently as we stand right now that there is no law um in the uk that requires anybody in in any profession to or any any type of workplace to be vaccinated um once 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 the nhs the proposed regulations were revoked because they couldn't be justified ultimately by by parliament um national employees unions started to have a, a different type of inquiry um diff different problems that uh, members were experiencing in the workplace and one of the one of the problems that has quickly risen to the top of the pile is the, the problem with wearing masks and when we talk about masks there's a variety of different names for them um, they're sometimes called surgical masks they're type 2r masks or frsm um, and we had so many members come to us and say look i just can't wear this mask any longer it's 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 causing me physical harm or mental harm of some description what can i do that we as a trade union were forced to look into it to see how we could help our members right so we've looked into it uh, and and we've gone right down to the bottom of the barrel um, and what is happening right now is it's so illogical matt that it's hard to comprehend um, <laughs> That's because, an understatement, that is, mate. Sorry. <laughs> because the, the, the long and the short of it is that surgical masks do not prevent infection. And yet NHS staff are being required to wear them to prevent infection. Now, when, when you go to the key documents that NHS England and NHS trusts rely on, to try and justify the requirement to wear the mask all those documents concede that there is no robust scientific evidence to support the premise that these masks stop infection that is it that is the science and there's a, there's a wealth of open source literature that that says the same thing so the yeah. first point is masks don't work 
The second point is that there is a wealth of literature that tells us that wearing a mask for extended periods of time and NHS staff certainly have to wear them for extended periods of time cause general harms. The government's own unit, SAGE, and we've all heard of SAGE over the last few years, they concede that wearing a mask causes headaches. So first time headaches. This isn't people who are susceptible to headaches, though obviously it will exacerbate their condition. But first time de novo headaches are caused in between 26 and 96 percent of people. So that's that's a physical or mental harm. Right. Mm. They also concede that people are caused dermatological conditions. So there is harm being caused. There are also some specific harms that are being caused because of whatever the physiological makeup of a person's body is that wearing that mask bring, brings it to the fore. And for these people, they're, they're caught by the Equality Act because to have a disability for the purpose of the Equality Act, you must have an impairment which doesn't have to be diagnosed or have a label for it. An impairment that has a substantial and that means perversely more than minor or trivial for the purpose of the Equality Act. So you must have you must have something going on with your body that has more than a minor or trivial adverse effect, long term effect. So it has to be somewhere in a period of 12 months. Either it has been or it can be anticipated to be on the normal day to day activity here of wearing a mask. So for Teresa, simply wearing the mask brings to the fore that adverse reaction. Okay. And mm -hmm. because she's put up with it for so long and has now said no and can reasonably anticipate that it, it would go on for, for 12 months, well, that she's caught by that 12 months, Teresa has, for the purpose of the Equality Act, a disability. So that means that her employer has a legal duty to make a reasonable adjustment. We say that adjustment is that she simply doesn't wear the mask because they don't work and they're causing her harm and that that is reasonable for, because they don't work. Right. Mm. But what we have faced with Teresa and with other members is that employers are just digging their heels in. They can hear the argument. You, you, you can say it with the utmost precision and clarity and take them through it step by step. And, and yet we're just met with the reply, it's policy, it's the guidance, and we're following it. And, and the response to that is exactly, it's guidance, it's recommendation, but you've made it a requirement. And that's, and that's the problem, because, because you've made it a requirement and people are being caused harm, there's a, there's, there's a lot of law that seeks to protect people from being caused harm mm. like for example the equality act and we've got the health and safety at work etc act and the associated regulations we've got um we, we, let, let me let me just turn to a page mm. shame you haven't got a whiteboard mate 
give us a little lesson in law we've we've we got it. but interestingly staff staff are being told to wear them as ppe okay mm. and we've we've got something called the personal protective equipment at work regulations and they say that an employer has a legal duty to provide staff with ppe to protect their health right absolutely fair enough but not but, but that that PPE has to be effective. Well, we know that type two R surgical masks aren't effective. The government's own literature that they rely on tells us that. And so that duty doesn't apply. Those same regulations invoke another set of regulations that that come out of the EU um, and and Brexit doesn't affect that because they're expressly stated to apply mm. those regulations say that ppe must not cause a nuisance to the wearer also that it mustn't pose a risk to health so if the low bar is a nuisance sage have already told us that headaches and dermatological conditions surely they count as at least a nuisance and therefore the, the type to our masks are, are caught by the EU regulations and must be recalled. Hmm. Now, yeah. interestingly, in those regulations, everyone in the supply chain from the manufacturer through to the organization that either sells or, or gives them out for free and NHS trusts are giving them out for free. So they're a distributor for the purpose of the regulations. There should be what's called a certificate, a declaration of conformity. And that declaration has to do several things. But one of them is it's it certifies that this box of PPE isn't going to pose a risk to people's health or a nuisance to them. Right. I mean, it's just it's obvious stuff. Right. But it's a legal obligation for the distributor. NHS Trust, e either to have sight of, of, of that declaration of conformity or, or, or to have a website where it can be viewed. So we have um, a, a member of this trade union submitted freedom of information requests to all 226 NHS trusts asking for the certificate, the declarations of conformity. Hmm. We've had over 50% of them back and none of them have got them. So they're in breach of the regulations. So under the regulations, they've now got a duty to inform the health and safety executive of this because there's PPE that they can't confirm isn't causing a nuisance or a risk to health, right? And they, ha they have a duty to recall it. I mean, if Matt, if you think that there's over 1.2 million staff working for NHS trusts and that they're potentially being caused general harm from breathing in microfibers, which is well documented, from breathing in carcinogens, which are in the matrix of the materials of these masks, which is documented. Like you only have to think of one word, asbestos, and what that did to people. And how can we be sure that these 1.2 million people aren't going to be caused a comparable harm somewhere down the track? It's a national scandal.
it could be a litigation nightmare for mm. NHS trusts, right? But you know what? The, the government will not be held liable for it. And they shouldn't be because, because they are saying it's guidance. The government has always said you can self-exempt from wearing a mask because they know that the law seeks to protect people from being caused harm. And so it's not the government per se that is the problem. It's NHS England and it's the NHS trusts. And so, Matt, we're at the point now where we've represented a lot of members in meetings. We've had two members dismissed from the adult social care setting. Um, and, and so we have claims to the employment tribunal for unfair dismissal um, have been accepted for them. Um, but it's, it's not working having these meetings and being professional and treating the managers as rightly we should with courtesy and respect and, and using logic and, and reason. It's not working. Hmm. So we've, we've gone to the next step now. This is, is, is a 33 page letter, which is not exhaustive, but it should be enough for trust CEOs to be able to make the right decision. And the first one was sent out today to Teresa's trust CEO to try and resolve this. And he has four options. He, he can because the solution map for this is that trusts don't make it a requirement to wear masks. They make it a recommendation. Hmm. And, and by doing that, people can then choose to wear a mask. But people who don't want to or can't, for whatever reason, can, can go to work and perform their job description, their contracted role without any sanction attaching to it. Right. And then all the legal liabilities that the trusts are, are, are accumulating right now will just fall away. And I think more importantly, at a time when the NHS are drastically understaffed and, and, and staff are under so much pressure because of staff illness as well, that the patients will be cared for. And we can start to get get through this backlog. Right. It's in everyone's best interest that masks are made a recommendation. OK, at, at best. Mm. So it's not working following internal processes. So we've we've written this 30 page, 33 page letter and we've we've raised a trade dispute. And that's a really important term. And I'll explain why, because that trade dispute can be headed off by the response to this letter. 14 days within 14 days after receipt to say, yep, we agree. Thank you for your letter, Mr. Lowe. We, we can confirm that we have now made it not a requirement, a recommendation. OK. OK. Job done. Over. Next. Now, if that doesn't happen, the next step is to negotiate. Um, if if the trust will not enter into negotiation to discuss the contents of this letter, then the next step is industrial action. And we all know that one form of industrial action is striking. Um, we have members in over 90 of the 226 NHS trusts. We have sizable numbers in, in, in a handful, to be fair. Um, 
and, and we, we have dozens in, in, in a few, and then it drops down. But I think it would only take one trust with a dozen or so members to go on strike to raise awareness to this issue. And then we could build up some more support for it. Um, if, if striking doesn't, doesn't help resolve the, the, the matter, Matt, then court. But court should always be the last resort. Um, but we have advised the CEO of this and we'll be advising CEOs of, of this. Um, and the, the action will be in negligence. And negligence is where there is a legal duty and there are at least six legal duties that we've touched on here today. It's a le legal duty that if you don't follow, you, you could reasonably foresee that you would cause somebody either physical, mental or financial harm. OK, and we've, we've touched on those. And so trust CEOs could reasonably see that complying with legal duties that relate to disability, for example, workplace obligations and PPE, if they weren't followed, would cause harm and they have caused harm. Um, and so that's that that would be, as I say, as a last resort, uh, an avenue that we will support our members in. Um, what what shape or form that might take um, against NHS England and potentially 226 trusts? Um, we're not sure at this stage. I can't answer that. Um, but I think we should give them the opportunity to have the letter and make the right decision based off that. And if needs be, then we'll escalate it up through. So that's where we're at, Matt. Okay. I've got a few questions, obviously. So um, some people will say with regards to what you were saying about the, um, the mask mandates and stuff, especially with the carers, because most of the carers work for private care homes that aren't necessarily under the NHS banner. So they yep. fall under like the private business um, sector, if you will. Uh, and there are people that are suggesting that if you own a private business, you can stipulate the entry, the, the entry requirements, you know, so, so they are within their um, legal premise, if you will, that they can stipulate that they want their staff to wear masks. Otherwise they may um, terminate their employment. Now, is there any kind of truth to that? Or does that again fall under the whole but it can't cause harm um, or disability type scenario? That's, that's, that's a good question. And let, let me clarify that whilst I mention NHS trusts, um, there are a whole swathe of other healthcare workers who are affected by this, like, mm. like you're, you're, you're bringing up here in adult social care, um, you know, care homes, et cetera. And, and we are not excluding those people, um, you know, for simplicity, we talk about NHS. It's the quickest and, and, and the biggest. It's the quickest way to explain it. Um, and, and they're the biggest employer. Um, you're right. A, a, a private employer can impose certain conditions on their staff, but it has to fit within the law. And the same law applies to a private employer as a public employer. 
Um, you know, it's still the Health and Safety at Work, etc. Act 1974. It's still the Management of Health and Safety at Work Regulations 1999 and, and both sets of PPE regulations. So they, they, they can, in theory, impose any policy they want on their staff so, so long as that policy doesn't affect the staff's health and safety. Now, they, they might say, well, we're, we're doing it to prevent um the, the spread of covid but covid's over Co Co covid's been over for a long time the the office of national statistics for the week ending the 25th of november 2022 tells us that for that for, for that week 431 people died because of influenza and pneumonia okay 431 and people that died because of COVID-19 was 215. Half the amount of flu and pneumonia. And, and yet we're, we're, we're banging on about COVID. What, 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 why, is, why, why aren't people being told to wear a mask for flu and pneumonia? Because we never have. We never have in the past, not before the end of 2019 or 2020. So that that's where we're at that, that's that's where we're at it's it's as if it's the, the opposition that we've encountered and and that Teresa has experienced it's it's so categorical that we have this policy and and you must follow it hmm. that there must have been a direction I I would imagine from from the top to say you don't budge I don't, we don't care what the union says. You don't budge. You just stick. You just stick to the line. You just stick to the line, because, you know, in 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 the city I live in, coming up to Christmas, going going into the city, like uh, in and around the Christmas markets, it's absolutely jammed with people. There's tens of thousands of people, and it is the rare person that is wearing a mask, mm. right? You don't, you don't see them anywhere else. You don't see them on public transport. Obviously, there's the odd person here or there. So what, why is it in the hospitals? Keep it going, potentially. Keep keep the whole kind of... I mean, this is my, this would be my concern. Well, not my concern, but my issue of being a paramedic, we follow a lot of guidance when we're out on the road. There's, you know, we've got the jail calc, we've got other things but we can choose which guidance we choose to follow as long as we have followed some guidance and we've not just gone ad lib and just made up our own you know procedures and stuff um they give you a guidance and a, a flow chart of what to do but they always say to you while you're doing your training this is in an ideal world when you're out in the public it doesn't always follow the flow chart but just it's a guide so you just got to do as best you can so can you tell me then um, so we've established the whole private businesses thing. So as long as they're working within the law, they're fine. So so if anyone was in a care home now and then all of a sudden they developed a, a, any issues wearing masks and their employer at the care home basically turned around and said, you know, you're going to be dismissed. She could then turn around and say to them, you know, these procedures that you're bringing in or policies that you're bringing in, you know, are causing me harm, which goes against, forgive me, I can't remember what you said. It was a health and safety act and some other bits and pieces. That would then be a valid sort of response um, doesn't necessarily mean they'll save their job, though. But if they at least come back at their employers with that and they still get dismissed, they've got grounds for unfair dismissal. 
that that's that's what we say the, yeah. the the unfortunate thing is that you know there's you can never give a guarantee with the law of course um you know it's never black and white and uh, so it's always a shade of gray and and mm -hmm. and so we we could if if somebody working in in the, in the care industry can no longer wear a mask and needs to raise it with their employer then we we will support them and represent them to do that and and we will put in essence in in a, in a different form what, what is in in this letter about the facts and, and the law in in the hope that that the management will receive it well yeah if, if they yeah. if they don't then ultimately i mean as as i said earlier two people have been dismissed teresa is on the redeployment register but what that really means is that she's being given the opportunity to have a different job right and and, and if she doesn't take another job then as an employer we can't pay you indefinitely mm. and, and so they will terminate her contract but think about it 17 years as a midwife all that skill and experience and her trust, as we speak now, will be prepared to dismiss her for not wearing a mask that doesn't do the thing that they want her to wear it to do. Um, it, it's utter madness. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so, you know, we, 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 we have just got, you know, we're in the law and I, I, I couldn't be in the law if I didn't have faith in justice um, and that it will prevail. Um, so I, I, I have got faith, at least that we just keep on objective every day and we just got to keep trying and, and working our way up the management tree. We've exhausted the internal processes. So yeah. now we, we're going to go to the top of the tree and mm. if we don't get a good response there. We'll be outside the front doors with waving, waving banners and, and, and raising awareness um, to the issue to try and force it collectively. And if that doesn't work, then the, the CEO can, can come and explain to the judge why he couldn't make a decision off the back of the facts and the law. And perhaps it'll all have to come out then, Matt. Who knows? Um, well, what people can do is because people are going to be afraid, aren't they? They're afraid of losing their job. Well, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to wear a mask. It, it, it's causing me breathing difficulties. It's causing me headaches. But you've just said, Edward, that if we do a grievance, then I might get dismissed anyway. Well, I, I can't have that happen. Like, mm -hmm. because a job is a, is, is a part of our identity, isn't it? We have to pay our rent, our mortgage, food, etc. And I understand that. But what people can do is they, they, they can find our Facebook group. OK, so go on to Facebook. Search What's the name of the group? Employee. What's the name of the group? Come and come and come and join the group and see what goes on in the group. Okay, because a lot of people find it gives a lot of support. What's the name of the group, mate? What's the name of the group for National Facebook? Employees Union on Facebook? Okay, lovely. Thank yeah. you. We've got a Telegram channel as well. Okay, and Brilliant. so come and come and get some more information. Come and see what we're about, um, and email us. If, if you've got a problem with your employer, email us. If you're at a trust, we are, are shortly going to be coordinating um, and 
an organized effort to get the numbers up at trusts. And to start off with, all we need to know is, do you want to be counted as someone who might strike if it comes to it? Right. Because if you imagine right now, let's say we've got a handful of people at ABC Trust. okay, and then perhaps by virtue of of this podcast and other initiatives that suddenly it's not going to happen suddenly in a week or two or three. Let's say we've got 100 people have said, look, I'll put my hand up. If you're going to strike, I feel so strongly about this that I, 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 I think I will. Right. And then we've got a hundred people at ABC Trust. Now, to strike, there's very strict rules about that, and you would have to be a paid-up member of, of NEU. So, so perhaps some of that hundred people would fall away at that point. So maybe, hey, if we were left with fifty, and then we balloted to strike, and let's say 45, 40, 45 went out on strike, that would be one hell of a photo opportunity. Mm. To raise awareness to the do you not think the current do you think the current climate at the moment with the whole with the pending looming strike i mean it's they've done it very cleverly haven't they they've got it to the point now where the public are really angry with the nhs and now we come out and start striking because we want more pay um if we were to do another strike because we don't necessarily agree with with something going on do you, do you not think we're going to be and they've done this on purpose, I think. They, the public are going to be exhausted with, with our striking and what our, you know, our incessant, what seems like incessant kind of moaning about what's going on. And if you don't like it, leave kind of mentality. So do you think there'll be, it'd have to be like a tactful kind of strike, if you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's an interesting point, Matt. And, you know, my, my role as General Secretary for the National Employees Union is, is to look after as best we can members who come to us asking for help um, and and so we're, we're, we're not political um, and if the timing of our strike is unfortunate in some way because of the, you know where the public are at then then so be it and and I think partly perhaps that's what strikes are about it, it, it's about getting people angry and if the public are yeah. angry perhaps they will will turn on the government and say, well, hang on a minute, you know, what is it? Nurses have lost what? Is it is it 10 or 15% of their income in real terms in the last 10 years? Something like that. From from, my, from memory, when we do get a pay rise, which isn't very often, it's never over 3%, which obviously is just the annual inflation. Um, when I was in the ambulance service, I think we, we didn't get a pay rise for four years, and then we got 3%, which worked out at just less than 1%, you know, over the course of the four years which worked out at nothing. So when they do get a pay rise, it's never in line with the current thing um, and the current, you know, inflation levels and everything. Like now, for example, they're kicking off because they offered them 5% and they're coming back and saying, well, inflation and cost of living is at 11%. So it's, they're taking a 6% pay cut minimum. And that's, and, and that's with the 5% increase. So, you know, and, and this applies to everybody as well. This is the thing. It's not just nurses and, and, and NHS staff. This is everybody um, who's struggling. Um, okay, right. I just want to go back to, to, to Teresa real quickly and I'll come back to you, Ed, because I've got a couple more questions. Um, welcome back. You're all right. Thanks for being with us. It's dead hard and it's sitting there sometimes in the interview when you're not saying much because you're like, oh, I want to say this. Oh, I want to say that. So I have to write stuff down all the time. That's why I look a lot because otherwise I forget my brain goes out the window. So obviously you're angry, which I fully appreciate. Um, <clears throat> so 
before you went off in July, uh, the the midwifery, the obstetrics um, council, and the um, national midwives. Uh, oh god, I've forgotten my my terminology. Thank well, you. Yes, there we go. Thank you. They're all pushing the the, the jab in in pregnant women. Yes. Um, where? Well, I say where do you stand? I think it's obvious. But when did you realise that it probably wasn't best to be saying it's safe for pregnant women? Right from the beginning, especially really? when they bought out the yeah when they bought out the or the documentation, and it said the documentation said not to have it God, and not yes. to have it when they're breastfeeding. This is what I can't get out. This is what I cannot. Yeah, and now they've backtracked again and said it's safe again. So, you know. And it's it's literally on Pfizer's own website. I've got a link somewhere that it goes on and it says uh, not to be given during pregnancy. So yeah. it, it literally yeah. says it in black and white on the web. Not even in the clinical trial notes. It just says it on the front thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the literature before the trial data. It says not to be used during pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously when you look at the trial data, they didn't test it for pregnancy. Those people just got pregnant during the trial That's and the, right. uh, the outcomes weren't great for that as well. Yeah. So why do you think, and I know this is a difficult question to ask, but I just being obviously inside the kind of midwife circle, why do you think they're so hell bent on giving it to pregnant women if they know that it's that it's not safe? I don't know. I mean, this I is mean, it, isn't you, it? You, you could be called a conspiracy theorist for saying things. I know. I, I wish I had a tinfoil hat handy that I could just yeah. buy. And yeah. it would be a little one, it'd be a massive sombrero as well, like huge. <laughs> so I'll have to see if I could get something. But sorry, yeah. I, I, mean, I don't. I'm, mm. I mean, a lot. When you looked at that study, a lot of it was a lot of this study was saying about in being sterile. Basically, it, it yeah. said it couldn't rule it out. Yeah. So, are we looking at uh, an alternative uh, thing there? I don't know. I can't well, say for sure, but we can speculate. Yeah, we can. We can speculate. Like, well, the miscarriage rate has increased. We know that. Yeah. There was, we what, 28 in Scotland in September last year in one month, and they did an investigation that took months and then found like it, they couldn't find the cause. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when this elephant in the room is getting so big, I can't breathe. You know, it's it's like, I don't know how, how much bigger it needs to get before. And I, I don't know whether and it's not a every plan. woman knows that she's pregnant initially. So yes. not every miscarriage is counted either. No, because I know they came back saying like, you know, 20% of miscarriages, uh, you know, a pre 12 weeks, you know, everybody knows that. So when you look at the numbers, I think the 320 something that were initially pregnant in the trial, they lost nearly 200 participants yeah. data with regards to pregnancy. So they were left with only about 70 or 80 and only two viable pregnancies or one, I think out of that. So that's not 20%, but somebody said it is when you, when you work it out, um, from the 300 figure, it's 20%. Right. But yeah. they only were able to find out the data of a hundred and something. So it, yeah. it actually worked out higher than that because half of the people, they didn't know what had happened. So it's very, it's word salady stuff purposefully done to confuse people. But I just, I, I, did, I didn't know. I, I can work out I whether, I mean, I know. In on, my sorry. experience, in my experience as a community midwife, because obviously I, I do the booking initially and, mm. and these women were frightened to have the vaccine. A lot of my caseload was saying they weren't going to have it. And then you'd get the odd few that were having it. Um, but obviously, being off sick and things like that, you you're not you don't get to see what's happening either, do you? No. And this is obviously, the problem. Obviously, I've been taking that situation as well now again, so I still don't know. I, I can't tell you. You know, I, I couldn't say that for sure, what's happening in the hospital. Because I've been off for five months again. Yeah. 
Were you required then, but pre like I don't even know what to say. Pre air quote sick, not sick, right? Not knowing what to do with you. Um, were they? Were you having to actively encourage pregnant women to take yeah, it? We, yeah, they were all given uh, basic scripts. They're all given. You know, we get something to put in the handheld notes to say that women need to be vaccinated because because of the you know whether they've got comorbidity, whether they're BAME, whether their mm. their BMI's raised. You know, diabetics, they were there, they're still pushing it. And, and, and this women is what feel, yeah. feel guilty that they're not having it because then they they feel guilty because they've not protected themselves. They, you know, and often a lot of people only listen to BBC, the propaganda that's coming out of there. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's it, yes, it is, and it's it's refreshing to talk to because I've had a lot of doctors on on the show, and 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 you know it, it, I try and get doctors on that can talk to people about different things because otherwise it just gets doctors coming on talking about when they when they were awoken and when they first realised it was this and you know the experience you know it, we, we're kind of past that now we need to kind of be thinking about what we're going to do to stop it from happening and I'm hoping the more clinicians we can get to come forward they'll feel a bit more you know more solidarity there. Um, and they'll be able to stand up a bit more because if we all united as clinicians and said, no, yeah, um, sure. we're not happy to do that. Cause I've, I'm not jabbed and I've never given it to anybody either because I don't, I don't think I could have that on my conscience because I would never know whether I did or didn't contribute to someone having a problem. Yeah. Um, and I certainly wouldn't feel, you know, well, midwives weren't given the vaccines um, in oh. the hospital. They were bringing people in to come and do the vaccines from the, from the actual centers. Right. Like the vaccine centers were coming in. On certain days to come and do it that's right. what they were doing um so the midwives weren't actually doing that at the right. time mm. do you think that's because they wouldn't want you vaccinating people in their home in case anything happened i'm not them? sure but, but then a lot of midwives were doing um shifts at getting 40 pound an hour to go and vaccinate everybody yeah, so there was a lot of that going on i know i know and this managers is the thing well. managers doing it really yeah and, and this is the problem I've had with certain things as well. You've had people that are trained to give injections and you have people that are not trained. And I've asked every single person that I've, that I know that's been jabbed. And I said, did they ask your medical history before they gave you the jab? And every single one of them has said no. Mm. So everybody got a jab from, from a person. They had no clue whether that person had any allergies, have had any problems with any injections before, because patients, uh, as, as much as people don't, when you say to a patient, are you normally fitting well? Yes, I am. Brilliant. So why does it say you had leukemia in 1996? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had leukemia in 1996. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cheers for that, mate. So so they forget, bless them, because yeah, you want to forget something as horrendous as that. Uh, or when you say it, they don't think, oh, you don't want me to go that far back. Well, no, medical history means from the beginning to the end, my friend. So, you know, patients sometimes unintentionally lie. So, you know, if you've not asked the question and yeah, the patient says, oh, we didn't even ask, it doesn't matter if the patient's lied. You as a clinician still didn't ask. So therefore, how are you supposed to take uh, to obtain a, a proper consent? Because you don't know whether you're going to give it to them. Uh, and then I asked them as well, did you ask any, did, did they tell you what may happen? Did you get given any symptoms? Oh, yeah, just, just so I could get a you know, sore arm and I might feel a bit rough. And did they say about anything else? No. So even if you not had like a really bad myocarditis, but if you had an anaphylaxis episode, which happens all the time, they didn't even give anybody any information on that. And then they got rid of the whole 15 minutes sitting about after you've had the, the jab because they wanted to get people through quicker. Yeah. So people were having the jab and then dying in their cars and plowing their cars into buildings and stuff. And it was just like, oh my God, we're the NHS, man. Um, you know, and, and, and this is, 
I'm going off on a bit of a rant here, sorry. <laughs> but, but you know, but I feel like we... we were closing GP surgeries in the afternoon to, to bring in, you know, in lines. They were, they were doing that, shutting yeah. GP surgeries. And, and, and this was the scary. GPs. And then there was, there was the whole issue with the aspiration side of things, you know, because in America, they're not taught to aspirate, where you, you plunge the injection, yeah. you pull back to make sure you're not in a right. vein. Yep. Uh, in America, apparently, you're not taught that. Well, in England, you are. Yeah, um, yeah. It's you part know, Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In so, so how do we know the people that were getting the jab weren't getting it into a vein or artery? And which yeah. if they did, the clinical trial didn't check for that. It was checking no, for no. it to be into muscle. So there's a whole world of pain waiting for people. And, and this is what I think the problem is. It's such a big grenade, right? Nobody wants that anywhere near them when it goes off. Um, so it's just denial, 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 denial. Um, so well, one more thing. Evidence-based practice, doesn't it? Well, I, I said this to a doctor the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's disappeared. We we don't have that anymore. There's no bodily yeah. autonomy. There's no consent either. No. So if for some I, reason, I, it's, it's all disappeared. I, I became a midwife to advocate for women. And now I, I've ended up having to do it for myself. Be able to... and, and, yeah. And it's so crazy that, that we're in that situation where I've met so many people that care, really care. But, you know, they're just going along with it because they don't really know what else to do. They're kind of like following the tide. My, my colleagues I know that work in A&E, they were given Rendezivir. And yeah. I was like, well, dude, you know, it causes renal failure. And his answer was, yeah, but if they can't breathe, I need to sort their breathing out first. And from an A&E point of view, I kind of got what he said. Yeah. But then I was like, that's fine. But if they're breathing and then going up to the ward with renal failure, they're going to die anyway, dude. And he's like, well, what else can we do? And that, and, and you know, and people don't realize that, that, all the information that's coming out in the public domain isn't necessarily getting filtered down to the boots on the ground because it's coming from alternative sources. Um, uh, and as um, Edward can appreciate, once we get given a policy, unless it changes, you'll stick to that policy. It doesn't matter what, you know, Truth or FM says or anything like that. You have to, because if you, and I got suspended twice from work, twice of many times, for spreading misinformation apparently. But when I asked them what specifically I said that was misinformation, they couldn't tell me. But yeah. because one, because a patient, I spoke to asked me for my opinion on the on the jab, and I said, "Do you want my opinion, or do you want the opinion that they want me to tell you?" And she says, "I want you to tell me the truth." So I did, and I said, "We don't know, honestly. We don't know whether it's going to cause any long term side effects. We don't know if it's doing it, and we don't." And I chat, and then she didn't want to take her third booster. Now she's an elderly woman, and when her family found out that out, they complained and they said it was me that had convinced her not to take it. And I was like, "I haven't convinced her. I've just given her both sides of the story so she can make a decision and give informed consent." And yeah. now she's got all the information. She decided she doesn't want to do it. And I'm, but now it doesn't suit the narrative. Shock horror. Yeah, right. And exactly. And, and, and you know, I'm sure if everybody was given the information that we've been looking at and had to drag ourselves, you know, dig out of the of the depths of hell to decide what we're going to do, most people wouldn't have taken it anyway. And yeah. a prime example, I say, if you've got a car outside and someone says, can you drive my car for me? I'm not sure if the brakes work. You're going to go, I'm all right, thanks. Because you've got informed knowledge. If he didn't tell you and you got it and plowed it into the wall... And, and I've got your arm trot. He goes, why didn't you tell me? Well, you didn't ask. Yeah, but you're supposed to tell him. Yeah, yeah. But you see, if you didn't ask, I'm not going to tell you. You know, and that, and, and it's as simple as that. Um, so one more question. I'll bounce back to Edward. Um, I'm enjoying this as well, actually. So from your perspective now, obviously, you, you know, you're at home and everything else and it's going to go. Are you, are you, hmm, has this left a bit of taste in your mouth with the NHS? Do you think you'll continue to be a midwife after this? Probably not. And it's hard. To, it's, and as a midwife, it's quite a niche profession. If I know it doesn't sound niche, but
But then when you're looking for other jobs and other careers, it's very difficult because you're either overqualified or you can't you're not qualified in that so I'm not a nurse by profession before some people were already pre-qualified as nurses and then came in you know like the nurses become midwives yes but I, yeah, I didn't yeah. do that so I haven't got that behind me right I've, you know so it's it's difficult okay you know, so if you had if you knew this message was going to get to every single clinician in the country, all right, what mm. what would you what would you tell them right now if they're experiencing I'd, similar sort of things as yourself? I'd say you need to stand up and speak out and tell your truth because it's going to be too late if you don't. We need you, and also, with there there is people that can help them, but we can't do it on our own. You know, it just it takes quite a few people just to stand up and say, actually, I can't do it anymore. Mm. But there's help out there. There's the union there. That's what that's what it's been. You know, that's what we have unions for. And uh, just they just need to think about it and stand up and stop being frightened. Yeah. Because ultimately, it, if the NHS crashes anyway, they won't have a job. Potentially, this is coming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People working in the NHS are realising this. Because it's being broken down from the inside. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, people might say that, you know, other, other way, they might have their own opinion. But in my opinion, after what I've seen over the last 20, 17, 20 years, nearly, mm. um, yeah, it's not like, not like it was when I first went in it. No. And you, don't, you wouldn't know that unless you worked in the NHS. No. Catering is externally sourced. PTS, no. patient transport is external. Cleaning yeah. companies, contractors, you know, they're all external, but they still work under yeah. the umbrella. Even the umbrella. company that I work for as a, fun, uh, as a home visiting paramedic, it was under the umbrella of the NHS, but actually it was a private company mm. using yeah. the NHS banner. When you actually yeah. stripped it down and looked at the business and on company's house, it was, you know, a federation. Yeah. Well, that's not NHS. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's an affiliation of the NHS. It's... um. Okay, um, I'm going to bounce back over to Edward real quick for a bit longer and then, then we'll wrap it up because... Um, otherwise I'll end up talking to you guys for ages. I, can I just say one more thing? Of course you can, as much as you want. Right, so when we are midwives or and nurses and paramedics, when you all have our code of conduct, and in our code of conduct it says that we must speak out about any harms being performed. So if you think that even your staff are being harmed by wearing a mask, we should be telling them. We should be coming out and telling people that this is happening. Not just about the vaccine, because to me, the mask is as, is as bad as the vaccine. Mm. Because the vaccine, you couldn't see if you've not had it or not. But with this, mm. they, can, they can tell because you're out. And mm. if you haven't got a mask on, you, you stand out. Mm. You couldn't see it. Can't see it, can you? are not walking around with something on your head, are you? Apart from mm. the COVID little booster things they're all wearing. But what I'm trying to say is, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, no, I do, 100%. And yeah. the, the problem is, is they've done a very good dot. And, and this is all part of the psychology that they do. Yeah. Anybody that speaks up, they chastise, they discredit, they do hit pieces on, they make them look like they're stupid, crazy, whatever, yeah. because it destroys yeah. the argument. If you destroy the person, in their eyes, you destroy the argument. They don't address yeah. the argument, they just destroy it. And in their mind, that's that's them questioning it. It doesn't deal with it. Um, so if they've seen... Conditioned. It's conditioning. This is what it is. Yep. And they're all being conditioned to comply with something that's not actually correct. And they need mm -hmm. to start thinking about what they're yep. doing before it's too and late. If any, 
you're, and if anybody wonders how Hitler managed to do what he did in the Second World War, we're in it, guys. We're in it. Yeah. You know, this is how he did it. You know, and and look at where we are now. Um, right, I'm going to bounce over to Edward, then I'll bounce back to you, Trees. All right, and then we'll wrap up because I'm appreciate everyone's yeah. got lives and stuff to do. You put your hand up, off you go. <laughs> Yeah, yes. I, I just I just want to pick up on on what Teresa said because you asked her if if she had a message of how people can help themselves what what would be, that message be and Teresa mm. said you've got to stand up you know if if you want to be counted you've got to stand up that is where the power of a of a trade union comes in because we are a platform that has that, that gives employees certain rights in the workplace and and we can direct them all they have to do is say me count me right and if it comes to it then they join and and we follow the rules strictly and we strike and when we follow the rules they'll be protected by the law so that we can spread awareness and try and cause some change but one thing is absolutely guaranteed. If people don't stand up, it's not going to change. Mm -hmm. You have to want the change, don't you? That's the thing. That's what I keep yeah. trying to say to everybody. You can't moan about being fat and then don't go to the gym. You know what no. I mean? It's like you have to want the change. But yeah. people don't know what the change will be because they can't, they don't get the life that they're in now is bad. If you know what I mean, because they've got nothing to compare it to. And we keep trying to say there's this new world that you can get into, but they have no idea what it what it's like because they don't realize the one they're in at the moment is horrendous. And they think it's all right, but it's not. It's not. No. If you're a spiritual or religious person, do you think this is what they really wanted for us, for our lives? To come on the planet, work nine to five, get in debt, buy stuff we don't need, procreate, buy a house, shut up, do the same, teach our kids how to do it, pay into the system, pay tax, pay, you know. No. They don't, they don't want us to, you know. And we think we're free and we're not. Exactly. Yes. It's we're the illusion of democracy and illusion of freedom. They give us just mm -hmm. enough yeah. for us to think, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Two links forward, one, one, one link back. But but I want to thank you anyway, Edward, for, 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 for stepping up, mate, because while I started this last year, all of the unions, and I mean all of them, they stay, they, they, they shut their mouth off. And then as soon as it started getting complicated about the mandates, they all shut up and left us all to rot and left us on our own, which is what prompted these um, movements and NHS 100K to, to start in the first place, because there was a necessity for it, because there was no one there. Um, so I, I salute you, sir, and thank you for, for doing it, because we need the support. We, you know, we need the help, and we need people like yourself who, who know the law, because we know about medicine. We know how to fix people. We, we can't know everything, so we need people. And I'm, I'm, I'm upset that there's not been more lawyers coming forward, you know, and, and, and talking about it. Yeah, and and but then it's the same with doctors. Why are yeah. no more doctors coming forward? It's exactly the same through every trade because they don't want to be chastised and singled out. It's human nature, isn't it, not to want to put your head above the parapet? And there's people yeah. like us that, that have to do it, have to start it. It's always started by someone. So I thank you for that. Um, but one well, question: Matt, all, all, all credit to Matt, to 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 you, and to NHS 100K because thank you. 100k did an extraordinary job in raising awareness bringing people together i i remember that last protest in london uh, when when all of the um the nhs staff and, and healthcare workers th threw all their uniforms down and it wasn't long after that that the 
proposed NHS mandate, vaccination mandate, was, was revoked. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure that 100K played a big role in that. The, the, the way that NHS 100K supporters would benefit now would be by having the leverage that National Employees Union can, can offer them. Yeah. You guys know about the medicine. We know about the law, about organising. Mm. And if we put our heads together and have a concerted effort, then it, for en people who, who, who are sick of wearing a mask, who, who, who don't want to be facing, look, looking at, um, you know, images of their lungs several years down the track and being explained what the dark spots are on them, and it's because of the microfibers or whatever it is that you've been breathing in for the last two, three, four, five years, then come and get involved. Or if you know someone who's sick of it, go tell them where to go. Um, and, and together, we've, we've got the power to do it. We have. Yeah. And, we've, and we've done it before. We've done it. If you think about it, we go back to the protest the nhs 100k were there like like edward said all throwing uniforms i was there that day it was the most powerful day it was so upsetting it was an emotional day but i went and mm. i think that's what helped overturn it all they've yeah, got I'll... to do is think about doing that once more just to bring mm. ourselves together to do something about these masks and then we, mm. we can do it but yeah. we, we need strengthening numbers yeah and i think the thing is it's because it doesn't affect everybody or everybody doesn't feel like it. They go, oh, it's just a mask. They don't bother. No, um, no, I know. But then that's part of being in the NHS, isn't it? It's like, well, yeah, no. but you don't think about yourself. You think about others. So it's like, well, look, I'm fine with it, but I don't agree with you being forced to make to wear it if it doesn't, if it makes you feel uncomfortable. There are thousands of people I've spoken to that have said, I don't agree with mandatory vaccinations. I took mine, but I don't want you to be forced to take yours. You know, so there's yeah. a massive silent majority, but they don't, we don't know what to do or they don't know what to do about it because there's no kind of clear, clear direction. All we're being told is, is if we don't go with the narrative, then you're an anti-vaxxer. That's it. You know, and you're being labelled that. And it's like, dude, don't discredit the degrees and the studying that we've done for medicine and the experience that we've got <clears throat> to then just be told by Sunak, oh, no, we've spoke to the experts and, uh, you know, I, I I have every confidence in the, in the vaccine. Well, those experts are telling pregnant women to take it, mate. You know, and, and, and those experts are wrong. And I'm sorry, because sometimes experts can be wrong. Because if they're in women, if miscarriages are up, deaths are up, excess deaths are up, cancers are up, everything's up. And the only thing, you can't keep blaming it on delayed um, yeah. assessments okay. and operations and stuff. I'm sorry, you can't do that, you know. Let me, um, tell, you, let me tell you about one expert, right? Please, this I love expert, experts. Very, very quickly. Let, let me get through to the page in this letter. Dame Ruth May, DBE. She is the chief nursing officer for NHS England. She has made false representations and, and the, the, the lawyers who watch this will know that's coded language um, and I'm not going to expand on it, but she has basically said that there is strong evidence that type 2 R surgical masks prevent infection, whereas in fact she is completely wrong. The opposite is true. Mm -hmm. Now, she'd be considered an expert, but to all intents and purposes, she's lying. Yeah. Dame Ruth May, DBE. Mm -hmm. She's named 
in this letter to CEOs. She should be concerned about the legal liabilities that attach for the letter that she wrote to the Smile Free campaign. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get them on soon as well, actually, because I wanted to speak to them. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. One final question then. Um, I don't know if you better clear this up for me. What are mandates? So what makes them not lawful? Because obviously people are saying mandates are not lawful. Mandates aren't law, you know, and I don't want to go down the other, the, the, the law of the land comment, you know, all that kind of stuff. But just can you explain to me and everyone else who's listening, you know, what the difference is? Are mandates lawful or are they not? It's a very good question. How long you got? Uh, well, it's dark already. <laughs> enough, okay. enough information for when someone says, "Oh, it's mandated." Someone can turn around and go, "Yeah, actually, no, it's not." Or you know, or you know, it can be mandated, but blah blah blah. I mean, all right, law is never the, simple, is it? The short answer um, is that a, a mandate is implying an imperative, isn't it? Something that has to be done. Okay, but what we really need to know is. Is that is, is that man, mandate because of legislation? So an act of parliament or, or regulations? Or is that mandate because because of policy? Um, if if it's a if it's a if it's a policy that says that you must do something, then you could call that a mandate. But whether whether that mandate actually had to be followed would depend on whether it infringed on any other rights an individual might have because I, I would suggest that people's legal rights will will trump a, an employer's policy or, or an employer's mandate which, right. which effectively is is the position that we've got ourselves in with the masks right now nhs trusts are saying it's a mandate it's a policy mandate that you must wear a mask or we'll send you home. And what we're saying is, well, actually, there's a whole bunch of law that says you, you can't do that unless you want a court to order you to, to pay, right? Mm. Um, so you can decide up front or we can have that discussion in front of the judge. Um, that's that's what we're tr trying to get across. With, it's with interesting. But right. if that mandate came out of legislation then if you don't follow it i mean you don't have to follow any law do you um it's it just it just is that if you get caught for not following it and mm. someone presses you on it mm. um then you, you might have to pay the consequences of it obviously criminal law you might go to jail civil law you're gonna have to put your hand in your pocket so the short answer is is us what is a mandate do we have to follow it well, is it a legal mandate or a policy mandate? And, and, and what is it actually asking me to do? And what are, what are right. any other competing rights that might knock that ma mandate out? Hmm. That's, okay. that's the shortest way I can answer it, Matt. Typical lawyer, never a straight yes or no answer, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Okay, well, final words from both of you then. Theresa, we'll go first for me, please, sweetheart. Final words for everybody. Well, I'll just say thank you, Matt, for, for highlighting this plight because there's some, there is many of us and they don't want us to know that. So I just want, to, just want people to come out and realise that actually there is help out there.
and uh, strengthening numbers. Indeed. We need, we need Edward, to stop. Yes, we do. We do need to stop this, 100%. Yeah. I would simply say to, to, to any type of worker or employee that if you're having a problem in the workplace, whether, whether it's about masks or not, then National Employees Union are here to help you re resolve that problem. Um, at the moment, you know, we're, we're starting a campaign, obviously. We've talked about it here today um, to, to help people about masks. Come and check us out in the Facebook group. Um, see you in there. And thank you for the invite, Matt. No, my pleasure. Guys, this has been really informative and I, I wish there was more questions I can ask, but I'm conscious of time because obviously the general public have the attention span of a goldfish. So if I do them too long, I just get loads of messages saying, oh, podcasts are too long. I'm like, you should go listen to some of Joe Rogan's, man. It's touched three hours each time. So consider yourself lucky, guys. <laughs> but listen, I, I want to thank you both for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And I'm hoping to do more of these as well. So stay in touch, Edward, because I'd like to get you back on as well. And yep, please, if there's anything that, you want to send me that you want me to share, then I will. And Teresa, salute you, sweetheart. Thank you so much you. for stepping up. And Thank we'll you. leave it there, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to hit stop, hang around, and we'll see you next week. All right? Take care. Thank, Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Thank you both. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.